that so many times when somebody's disappointed with a decision you've made in your leadership position, that disappointment that they feel, um, it, it feels like a personal attack. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're discussing verbal judo for church workers. Hey, John. Hey, Ty. I just know people are seeing that title, hearing that title, going, what in the world is verbal judo? And everybody <laughs> is hoping to get in line with Ethel. <laughs> and some are hoping it's more, a little more verbal, a little less verbal, a little more confrontational. Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's, it's good to be here with you. You know, I was, uh, I was driving around today and I was feeling a, a little anxious about the number of things that I needed to get done. And I got to tell you, I rolled down my windows in my vehicle. I'm a big air conditioner guy. So when it's hot like it was today, I'm usually got my windows up, my air conditioner going because I don't want to get the sweats on. Mm -hmm. But today I was like, you know what? I'm just going to roll down my windows. I'm going to turn off my radio because I'm also someone who tends to have like this constant um, noise coming towards me. And it's usually content. It's a lot of podcasts. So shut off my podcasts. I just rolled down my windows and I just I just like enjoyed God's creation streaming through my window for a while, and it, it totally reset me. So I'm in a whole new space coming back from picking up the groceries. Mm, <laughs> so amazing. It's a good day to talk verbal judo. Um, and uh, Should we just dive in? Should we just go for it tonight? Yeah, let's do it. I'm confrontational. Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm looking for a fight. Uh, quick disclaimer that that verbal judo is it's an actual thing like you can google it you can look it up um, we don't own any rights to it we're not we're not really looking deeply into the things that they they actually teach outside of my own experience with it uh, but they do have a book it's called verbal judo the gentle art of persuasion it's by George Thompson and Jerry Jenkins and you can also find them on YouTube and it, it's just it's good stuff my experience of it was comes from my college days and I was training to become a resident assistant, um, an RA, for uh, my alma mater, Briarcliff University in Sioux City, Iowa. And as part of our training, because one of the things we have to do is we enter into confrontational situations. A lot of times on a college campus, you're, you're the ones going out kind of patrolling. And if people are out of line, you're the ones that are putting them into line. So the Sioux City Police Department came in and they gave us a presentation on verbal judo. And it was honestly mind-blowing for me, kind of a precursor in my mind because I didn't read How to Win Friends, Influence People until later on. The same kind of idea, like how do you take a person who's in one frame of mind and help to transition them into a better frame of mind for the conversation you have? Um, and in that, in that presentation, they showed us a video, the officer who was giving the training, he was looking to prove the principles that they were setting forward. And so they actually were looking and, and hoping to, they were just recording as they were pulling people over and stuff. And they came across a person who was a known, like, um, he was known for having violence 
toward police officers. They were specifically looking and hoping to to record an interaction where he would use his verbal judo. And so just some of the, the things that were amazing to me is they took this guy who was just a big angry dude, had a history of violence in general, specifically had gone to jail for assaulting police officers before. And so this guy then enters into this situation with this man after pulling him over. And uh, one of the, just a couple of things he used, and it's really practical stuff. I'm just going to throw out a couple of things that he did that really stood out to me that I remember from that training was, you know, helping this man to understand that everything he was doing was for this man's safety, right? So just throwing out lines like, hey, you know what? This guy starts getting out of his car. He's going to come at this police officer. He says, hey, there's a lot of cars flying by here. We're on the highway. For my safety and yours, please stay in the vehicle, right? Like helping to reframe his brain to like, look where we're actually at right now. Um, you know, another thing that I thought was really interesting is they they talked a lot about the necessity for the you to keep your calm. You have to stay cool. And so little mind tricks that they would use to kind of keep themselves calm, like somebody might be yelling all kinds of nonsense and obscenities and things at them. And just to be able to turn to that person and say, sir, I spec'd that, right? They might not respect that, but they can certainly spect it because that means nothing, you know? So just having the right frame of mind as you enter into it. And then um, they, they always talked about having this one liner that meant like, this is, it's about to go down. Like we, we've done everything we can. The next move is swift justice, but it was a line that they had with the rest of the people on their team that were there hoping to get the situation under control. And the line was, sir or ma'am, is there anything else that I can do to gain your cooperation? I'd like to think so. And that was like their line where they knew like, all right, the next one is we're just taking this person down. But it just was really interesting because the way that they designed it, and it was the first time that I probably really thought in my head about the intentionality that you can bring into an interaction with another person. And it it definitely shaped, um, it definitely shaped how I did that job as a resident assistant. It definitely shaped interactions I had in the church. And I thought it might be a useful tool for our listeners. You know, and in college, you know, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't an, an RA to bust people. And, you know, I maybe wasn't the most diligent in saying like, this person was doing something wrong. I saw it. I'm going to write it down and write them up. But what I was interested in was getting people to stop doing dumb things. <laughs> and so just kind of that same idea, like how can we take these principles or some good lines and and good tactics for entering into more confrontational situations with our parishioners or not even necessarily directly confrontational, but where we're trying to get them to see that God is doing a new thing here. And so we all need to come to the table a little bit differently. And so when we talk about entering into this as in terms of the context of our parish, Over the last 20 years, one of the things that has happened that that we're suffering from a lot of headaches from is just catering to the whims of people and what they want to see at their parish that they are paying for. And so what has happened over years is a lot of people have said, yes, we can fit more, we can do more, we can take on another ministry, we can find a way to make that work, we can do this. And and what I want us to all do is just take a deep breath in and out and just to realize we're not there We are not in this position in our parishes to cater to the whims of our parishioners. We're there to lead them, specifically to lead them towards Jesus. And uh, and one area that really stands out to my mind is is children's liturgy of the word, right? Another one we, we could go into is confirmation. But these are two areas where they clearly need reform, right? Children's liturgy of the word. I've never seen a program done well enough 
that I actually want to send my kids into there. I actually think that's better for them to stay in the church and like be with Jesus and learn how to do mass, how to participate in mass. And so, but nobody has these conversations with these ministry leaders or, or people come in and they like a parent really wants to do it. And so they're willing to volunteer. They're going to make it happen. They're going to manage the schedule, but nobody says to them, yeah, but we're not going to do that or confirmation, right? Nobody stands up and says, you know, Hey, confirmation, our, our kids are not converted. They're lying to God and getting confirmed. Okay, well, let's talk about that, right? How can we enter into conversations that are a little more confrontational and do so in a way that hopefully leads people forward? And, and I'm going to, you know, in a parish, we're, we're probably not quite so concerned about physical attacks, uh, but the idea is the same, right? How can you get someone to the point where they understand that, that your way forward is their way forward? Right, the tagline from the Verbal Judo Institute. I was googling them a little bit earlier. It just says like, "Oh, this is a real company." <laughs> um, their tagline is that is that they have equipped over a million individuals with the necessary skills to redirect behavior and generate voluntary compliance. Right? Can you tell that this would be really useful for for cops? But also, it's useful in a, in, in a number of leadership scenarios, and and one specifically that we'll talk about a little bit later is. The drama that stems from mismanaged expectations, right? The people that come to you, and this is particularly useful for those people who come to you, and they're saying, well, nobody told me this was changing. Even though you probably already sent five or six emails that that told them it was. um, They'll say, this is not the way we did it in the past, and I like that more. And this is also useful for the, the person who comes to you and says, well, the previous person in your position always let me do this. Right, So anything you can do up front, yes, to communicate change, answer questions, and, and all of that helps to go a long way with those people who are coming to you with those specific, um, uh, those, those specific, what's the word I'm thinking of? Those specific issues. And so I want to talk just a little bit as we frame this about um, managing expectations because that's, that is where most of this drama, I think, comes from and how we can prepare for that because it's retooling this verbal judo, which is coming into the situation and trying to organize kind of the chaos or the moving pieces in a way that helps you to dismantle the confrontation. And so that's kind of the first thing is we, we want to enter into that by um, upfront communicating change and answering questions. And that, that does go a long way towards managing expectations. And so um, just a few tips as, as we're looking at how do we create fertile soil for judo, ju, verbal judo to take effect, right? Um, I, I recommend keeping a growing list of frequently asked questions um, online. I, I have found that that can help because it gives you something to refer people to. Um, it also helps you to organize your thoughts just as you're going and, and also develop template emails that save you a ton of time responding or, or even better, it'll help you to find ways to answer those questions um, even in the onboarding pot process, right? If you're making a template to respond to people because there's so many people asking you this same question, maybe you can just retool the way you do your onboarding process that answers those questions outright. Those are great for those 10 to 15 emails that you're going to get every year, um, a month after Religious Head starts <laughs> with people saying like, hey, is it too late for me to sign up? <laughs> and and it all has to do with keeping your calm, keeping your cool, right? Like the the police officers that officers that are going into a really dangerous situation, keeping your cool. We also have to keep our cool because something that happened once that I saw happen is um, my old 
predecessor, Sister Catherine Easley, that, that I've talked about, that was my first um, direct report, she, she one time sent off an email to someone at the diocese and said, hey, what's the deal with this? Or, you know, I, I, can you help me to find this thing? And, and the guy just responded to her, it's on the website. Oof. And it was, it was not the classiest move I've ever seen. And keep it in mind, like, she's 70 years old. The, the internet is always and forever going to be new to her, <laughs> you know? Or she was 70 years at the time, you know? So it's like, just answer the question. Be polite, be kind, you know? So we want to be able to respond to people, and we want to be able to think it through. And, and if, you, if you struggle with those 10 to 15 people sending you those same emails... This can help, and you, and you, it helps you keep your calm because you don't have to think through it every single time and rewrite it every time. You don't even have to take time to check your ego. If you've written a good, like calm, like well-measured email that you can just respond, it takes you 15 seconds instead of 10 minutes to do it. Uh, but a pro tip if you're going to write these emails, write the email down first, give it a day and come back to it because you might realize as you're reading it, you, you sound like a jerk. <laughs> um, you might also realize you're explaining way too much when all you need to do is give them the answer. So I, I always recommend waiting another day or another two, revisit it, and try to rewrite it or at least cut out half of what you wrote because you probably don't need it. And it's just going to streamline things, simplify things for people. And at, at the end, you should just have a concise, neutral-sounding email that answers questions without offending people. Um, another good tip for kind of keeping your your peace, your, your calm is whenever possible, eliminate manual data entry. And, and the reason this is going to be helpful to you is because it eliminates a lot of your own typographical mistakes, right? You get somebody who says, you, I never received any emails. Okay, well, let's talk about that because this is the email I have that, that you gave to us. Well, no, that's not the email I have. I, I wouldn't have given you that email. That's, you know, that's not one I use. Well, well, this is the one you entered into the system, but I can update it if you want. So you go from correcting a mistake that you made to helping to helping them to fix something that that's wrong, and it just it, it retools that whole situation. It puts you in a position where you can keep your calm, you can guide them towards an answer, and fix some solutions. So those are just some really simple ways that you can think ahead, that you can try to um, um, answer things ahead of time and manage more expectations, kind of manage a little better. Um, what people should expect from you, but but more so even just to help you to manage your expectations with people because you you know what you have communicated, how you've communicated it. You've created really good systems and processes so that you can kind of remove your own ego, your own um, anything that might trigger you from that situation. Does that sound good, Ty? It does. I actually want to touch on something that you'd said that is super important, not only in the parish world, but in the secular world. And you'd said anything you can do up front to communicate change and answer questions. So let's take a step back and just think about how most communication happens regarding change. There isn't any. It just, you're, <laughs> you're, it's either thrown in your face or you're throwing it in somebody's face. This is how it's going to mm-hmm. be. I'm, I'm doing a new thing and you're going to like it or... It doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyways. Get on board, Ethel. Right. Now, let's take a step back and really effectively communicate how we're asking you to communicate. Right? Voluntary, um, what did you call verbal judo? The voluntary? Voluntary compliance. Yes. 
voluntary compliance. So if you tell me what's going to happen and you kind of paint that picture for me, give me that roadmap and there aren't any surprises, I know exactly what I'm going to do down this road of change that you're bringing me on. I am more reluctant to follow you. But if you're going to say, we're doing a new thing here, go ahead, put these blinders on, if not blindfold yourself and follow me blindly. I'm going to have issues with that. And I think that's where all of those issues of nobody told me this was changing. That's not how we did it in the past. And, you know, your your predecessor before always let me do this or always let me do that. Or they took care of that. They didn't ask me to do it. Well, those are the old ways, right? Now, if you communicate it in advance and you communicate it well, then you can start to do the verbal judo. Right where there is no real confrontation because you haven't set anything up to where I can fight you on. So it's super important to, to be able to communicate it up front and then answer the questions, you know, then and there versus waiting for it to jump out at you as you're, you know, you're thinking you're cruising down this road of change and all of a sudden you look back and nobody's following you and you're like, well, what the heck, guys? We talked about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and how many times, you know, and, and we've all experienced this in our work. Somebody made a decision with a group of people even. They've talked about it 10 or 15 times. So they think by now everybody should know. Again, you got to communicate it out. Uh, and I think that would be a good episode down the line even. Like what's a good rhythm or process for communicating change? And getting that feedback and letting them ask questions because most of the time people just need to be heard in order to follow along. They don't necessarily always need to get their way. They do need to be heard. They need to feel heard and and have somebody like see that and receive that. And if you can do that, most of the time people will come along. So I think those are really good points and, and even worth taking it a deeper dive in it sure. in an episode on its own. So yeah, so so now that we've kind of like set that that framework to operate in, that the communicating change kind of as much as you can front load these things, the better. Um, if you do find yourself in a situation where you need to escalate, de-escalating, those two things in mind. One's just like that you're staying calm, right? That's that first one. Don't get don't get all worked up because it's the 50th time someone asked you today about the same question. Because it's probably that person's first time asking you the question. And, and we don't want to get snippy just because, you know, if I'm the pastor, I'm about to walk into mass. I'm focused on other things, right? I've got to stay calm and be kind, right? Like Jesus asks us to do to be be kind. I think that's one of the fruit fruits of the Holy Spirit is kindness. Um, so we want to stay calm. But I do want to give you like three specific ways that I have used over and over and over again um, that you can respond. Three very specific ones. Um that allows you to respond in a way that educates and invites them forward. And and these are the three just that I feel like I've used the most in my ministry and they feel evergreen. They always seem to have uh, some level of effectiveness and they can stack on each other. You can move in and out of them. Um, and in general, they're really well-tested and proven techniques just for entering into a confrontational um, dis- dialogue with someone and hopefully moving them to a point where you guys can where you can get on equal footing, where you where you can move forward, and and hopefully that forward momentum is leading you both towards heaven. Amen. Amen. 
So the first of these is just to listen. And, and I just talked a little bit about that, how important it is just to listen, hear fully what they have to say. Because if, if you're just waiting, if you're just waiting to respond with the slap across the face that you know your words are going to bring, you're not really listening. And you're probably going to address something that's not the main issue that they have. So listen, because you're, you're going to listen and then you're going to mirror back to them what they just said. And then you're going to invite the desired action. So that's that's the first one. Listen, mirror, and then invite the desired action. So somebody's concerned about um, concerned about the way the ministry is, is being rolled out this year. VBS. They hate the program that you've got. They're worried kids aren't going to go, right? Um, oh, okay. I, I see, right? I've listened. Now I'm going to mirror. They're concerned about VBS. I see you're worried about VBS. That seems you seem really concerned about Vacation Bible School. Can you send me an email this week so I can follow up with you? Right? So what you've done is you've made sure you listened. They know you've heard them. And now you've asked them to follow up in a way that's that's more appropriate to the situation. And this works a lot. Like when I'm in mass with my family and someone comes up and has an issue. Or I'm I'm actually actively working on something else, and somebody wants like I this happens a lot of times when you're starting like an edge program for the night. It's that five minutes before you're about to start the program. Like you you've got to be up in front of 150 people in five minutes, and and get everything's rolling. And somebody's like talking your ear off because they have this issue about something that's not related to what we're doing tonight. So a good measured response. Listen to what they say. Then a very calm like. I see you're concerned about this. I hear you. Follow up with me in an email. And what you'll find is 85% of the time, they're never going to send that second email. Again, they just wanted to be heard. You heard them. They know it. They're content. So that's the first one. Um, the second one, name the emotion. And I experienced a lot of this uh, when I was retooling the the fee schedule for a religious head program that I was leading. And I got a very angry email from somebody. And I just responded and I said, you seem angry. That wasn't my intent. Right? So you see, you, you name the emotion and that person goes, well, well, I am angry. I don't want to be angry. And the other thing you have the opportunity to do is say like, hey, I'm not trying to make you angry. Like this is so many times when somebody's disappointed with a decision you've made in your leadership position, that disappointment that they feel, um, it, it feels like a personal attack. It feels like you did that just to make them mad. And a lot of times they take it because their faith, especially in the church, their faith is so profoundly personal mm-hmm. that when you change something, it feels like an attack against theirs, right? And it's not. Or at least your decisions shouldn't be an attack on your people, right? So name the emotion. And if you can name it, sometimes that's jarring for someone to, to tell you, like, you're angry. Well, yeah, I am. But it also, they kind of take a step back naturally to go like, oh, I am angry. Okay, well, let's deal with the issue now. And, and it just names that. It makes it concrete. It gives you a, an opportunity to really speak into it and also to speak against how Satan might be trying to use it in that moment. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to make you angry. Let's talk about why this decision was made. Let's talk about the next way, like the way forward from here. You're not going to like me when I'm angry. <laughs> might not like me anyway yeah I don't like you <laughs> Ethel get um, out of my face 
<laughs> Back up, Ethel. <laughs> so that those first two, and then the third one is um, this is for those people who are refuse to let it go, right? They they've come to you multiple times, um, or you've been around and around and around and around about this, and there's just like this is the way we're going, and and this is it's a very um, helpful tactic for that person. And, and the line that you can say, the, the verbal judo technique, right? It's the, the line is, can I help put you in contact with a parish that has what you're looking for? Ooh. Right? You're, you're explaining to them, this is the direction we're going. And, and I'd really love for you to be a part of it. I, I believe this is what God is calling us to do. I have discerned it. I, I know it. The pastor's on board. This is what God is calling us to. And we want you to be a part of it. You are a part of our family. But if you really don't want this, like, I love you, and I'll be happy to help you find a parish that has what you're looking for. Right? It's, it's kind of that, it, it, it puts a box around this, a neat little bow around it, like, like we, we can't discuss this anymore. Right? This is the decision that, that's been made, and, and this is the way forward. And it's about to go down. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's the one-liner, right? The, is there anything else I can do to get your cooperation? I'd like to think so. You know, it's that it's kind of that final line that's like, look, if you don't want this, we'll help you find somewhere because your your soul is too important to just walk away from the church. But there's lots of churches and some of them are doing this thing, but it's it's not where we're going. You know, so it it just draws that line in the sand. And I think it does it in a loving way, in a concerned way. Um, it also does it in a way that lets them know like this conversation is over. Amen. Plus, we're evangelizing. We're gonna need that seat. So, yeah, <laughs> don't let the door hit you on the way out. Oh, yeah. that ain't it. <laughs> no, that's not quite it. It, it, but it is. It is that inv- it's an invitation, but also it, it draws a line in the sand. We're not going back from here. Correct. Nice. I like that. Um, with that, I think let's move on to the devil's advocate. Ooh, oh, 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 oh. How do we not have a clip for that yet? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I'm just gonna rec- take that little voice recording, clip it. And put like the Wizard of Oz, the witch. Ty, you seem angry right now. You're not listening. You're not mirror. You're not mirroring me. You're not using the tools. I'm not mirroring you. Anyways, whatever. John, if if I'm always getting people to do things my way, then everyone is gonna leave because it feels a little. A little bully-ish. You know, I don't, I don't want an empty church. What say you? I, uh, yeah, I, honestly, that can happen, right? That, this is, again, where we have to really check our pride because uh, the important thing, I think, to remember here is that this all starts from, it needs to start from, if you're going to start making change, the only reason to make change is because God is leading you to it. So we have to remember that this all starts from a place of prayer. It starts from a place of discernment, right? The invitation isn't, it's not to follow me, right? It's not to follow Ty. It's not to follow my will, but it is to invite them into that dynamic discernment, right? That that you are leading this call to respond to the direction that God has given us, that the Holy Spirit is prompting in us. And, and this is the call that you have in leadership to lead that direction. So again, so yes, 
That's right. If you're just trying to bowl people over with your personality, you know, with your excellent ideas and your charisma, that's probably wrong. And honestly, I think if that is the motivation, if your own will is your motivation, probably like we've discussed in the past, John 15, the pruning of the vines and the branches, right? If we, if it is not coming from your deep abiding with Jesus, it'll probably get pruned anyway. And that's where you'll see those empty churches, those places that they've just been surviving on someone's personality and that personality leaves and there's nothing left. And honestly, that's a whole lot more exciting when you can say like, this is where God is calling us to. When we read this, when we read the times, when we look at the churches and how our numbers are plummeting and stuff, we can say very clearly, something is not working. This is what we're going to try and do and fix it. We can cast vision. We can paint a a picture for them that they desire to be a part of. So, yes, uh, 100%. If you're just trying to get people to do things your way, you probably need to adjust how you're discerning. And to make sure you're not discerning in a vacuum, you need to look, check out your prayer and get, those, get your house in order first before you try to enter into this verbal judo with people. So, do you have any actionable steps for us? Yeah, we should do some of those today. Uh, yes, today's actionable step course we never want to leave you without something that you can go and do after an episode Um, today it's really simple start a list of the frequently asked questions that you encounter in the context of your work again these are the the things you get 10 or more emails from um from people right again the big one is every year when religious ed starts um or maybe when that capital campaign comes around and you're the finance person and you get 20 30 40 people who are trying to give, or maybe you're just trying to get them to give online and do that. And so you're getting 30 emails from people saying, how do I do this again? Start compiling those frequently asked questions and then go through the process of writing a response that answers those questions in a kind way and in a concise way. Also, you, you know, you consider then from how you, how these, how you might build these answers into the process more you know, maybe there's just a two-minute video that you can put together. You can just send them the YouTube link, you know. Um, either way, it'll make you think a little more about your communications, how they're serving your work, and how you're building a more efficient ministry. And it'll help you to manage those expectations a little more. So then when it comes time to enter into more of maybe a verbal judo situation, you've already kind of laid that footwork. You've laid that groundwork to where you can have more effective conversations. Well, thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor or a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. Of course, you can always email us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.